everybody, welcome to the September 9th, 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on a congressional panel ordering the Department of Veterans Affairs to hand over the results of an internal investigation of the Aurora VA Hospital Project. Patty Cahoon from Westward. Well, it's taken a long time to get this kind of a response, but it doesn't mean anything. Well, this is not MSNBC asking for the internal investigation. It's Congress. And the outrages that have gone on and the delays in the VA hospital here are so egregious that, yes, Congress should be able to get this. Mike Krause, the Independence Institute, joins us. A congressional panel, is that going to mean some action, or is this just for show? Well, it'll mean the, hopefully the report gets released. But to Patty's point, this is like something out of a fiction novel. I mean, it really is this whole thing from beginning to end. And uh, uh, the congressional panel, does this mean action? Look, there's been some degree of action, but there was never any doubt but that they were going to get their money to finish that project. Never any doubt that the hospital will get opened. Uh, it will be under And so moving forward, uh, I think people just want this to get the hospital open, get it staffed, which will probably be another three, four, five billion dollars. Uh, get some x-ray equipment in there, another six, seven, eight billion, and then forget about it and, and, and brush it under the rug and move on to the next boondoggle. Uh, obviously, they're optimists at the table. Uh, Eric Sondman, political analyst. Um, at, at this stage of the game, with as far as the hospital's been built in Colorado, is this investigation more about avoiding future problems? It's it, Part of it's for show. Part of it's a cautionary tale of future mm -hmm. projects. And you know the future. Maybe it, the boondoggles won't be of this magnitude and the overruns of this magnitude. But you know this isn't completely unheard of. In, in Washington. Uh, maybe they'll increase the budget now a quarter million dollars to comply with uh, getting the documents and then if they can find some employee to stall or delay they'll get a bonus of uh, a few hundred thousand dollars because they the VA loves to pay bonuses as we have found out. They certainly do. Ran out at the panel Gregory Moore, former editor of the Denver Post, thank you for being here. Uh, wrap it up for us. Is this something that maybe might be a, a bipartisan issue in Congress that everyone can agree that this is an absolute boondoggle? Uh oh, yeah, I think everyone can agree that it's a boondoggle <laughs> and a very expensive one. Uh, I, I, I think it's really important if there's any sworn testimony to get some people under oath talking about this thing. Um, I mean, trying to understand from beginning to end how this happened, where the original agreement was written on a napkin. Uh, let's start there and, um, and figure out how you avoid something like this happening again. I think it's important to put a period on it, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. As we kick off the post-Labor Day election season, Donald Trump has reportedly spent $600,000 on TV ads in Denver, Grand Junction, and Colorado Springs. Meanwhile, CD6 Democratic candidate Morgan Carroll debuted her TV ads this week in what will likely be the most competitive race in Colorado. Uh, Patty, what do you think? Post-Labor Day, is this when people start paying attention, or it's 2016, you're late to the, late to the party? Well, it is like watching the world's slowest train wreck. And all we know is that in the end, we're the ones who are going to get squished, no matter who's running the engine. Um, I can tell by your body language that what you really want me to talk about <laughs> is that commander-in-chief debate. 
What's so fascinating is watching Trump in action, watching Hillary Clinton in action, realizing that the polls are changing daily. You know, we had said that, oh, it's safe, Colorado's safe for Clinton, which dismayed mostly major um, media outlets that would get the ads. Now Trump is coming up because his polling keeps shifting. So I think we are going to be, for the next eight weeks, watch things come and go, positions change, ads come, crazy lies being told by the candidates. It is the greatest but most depressing show in town. As for the sixth, of course it's the most competitive Colorado race because what's the other one, Bennett versus Glenn? Right. <laughs> it's, uh, I guess when you don't have anything else to compete with, you are naturally the, uh, the number one oh, race. Competing with themselves in most of these cases. That's a very good point. Uh, Mike, speaking of the Kaufman-Carroll race, we saw uh, a I, I'm not sure if it was a couple ads. At least the, the most memorable ad from Coffin we saw was basically saying, I'm against Trump. And now we're finally seeing Carroll get into the game. Uh, do, you do you anticipate a major media battle between the two? I, I, this is such a tight race, and, uh, and, the, and how Trump uh, being on the top of the ticket starts to affect, starts to trickle on down to what should have been a fairly, I mean, in, in, an, in another year, in another time, in another era that wasn't like a thousand year event. Uh, this should have been a fairly, Mike Kaufman should have had a much easier time of this. I was really, I found Morgan Carroll's ad really interesting because it was almost like, it was a pretty standard Democratic running for Congress. I like to do things for people. I like to create jobs. I like small business. It was almost like she was introducing herself. And she's a known entity in, over there. I mean, she's been in the, the legislature for a long time. Here's what I found really interesting is that, she, and whether or not, the Kaufman team can certainly make hay out of this, and whether or not Morgan Carroll will try and uh, continue on this way. You know, it had a little blip that said, support small business and underneath. What you don't see is the little teeny tiny reference, uh, which in this ad was uh, Senate Bill uh, 14166, which was actually just a bill that allowed the Office of Economic Development to develop an app to, for people <laughs> to find businesses, which there are dozens of in the private sector, and which people are creating every day. So if that's the extent of Morgan Carroll supporting small business, then she might want to stay away from that. What, they, what you did not see referenced in there was something like uh, HB 1136 from 2013, which Morgan Carroll was a Senate prime co-sponsor on, which basically brought small businesses under 15 employees under the same uh, really uh, egregious umbrella of liability in personal injury lawsuits, uh, and basically said uh, it was a boon to personal injury lawyers, which Morgan Carroll is one, and uh, said that Employers, if they win in court, can't collect legal fees. Employees, if they win in court, can. So she really basically just threw small business under the bus just two years ago. So I think she needs to be very careful about talking about her small business bona fides because Kaufman has a target-rich environment there. Uh, Eric, when you look at the timing of these ads, both the Trump ads coming to Colorado and the Morgan Carroll ads, what do you think about the timing of being post-Labor Day? Some folks think, hey, that's when folks pay attention. Or the momentum building of a July and August, in, especially in the 2016 environment. I think you have to distinguish between the two races. The presidential race has been going on forever. Can we ever remember a time when Donald Trump wasn't front and center in the news? And so I think, yes, this is late. And the, the old rule of thumb that presidential elections start on Labor Day, that hasn't been applicable for some time, and it certainly is not applicable in this year. There are still undecided voters out there, but it is a small universe. It's the universe that both campaigns are targeted on, but it's a small universe. The congressional race, that's a different deal. I think, you know, you do have late deciders in that race. 
that's not a top of the mind race. It's not a top of the front page of the newspaper every day uh, kind of race. So for Morgan Carroll to begin her advertising now, I don't think that's necessarily uh, too late. Probably is harboring her money, and you know now we uh, both candidates will be consistently on the air. I found her ad to be it was fine. I thought it was as Mike sort of pointed out, democratic boilerplate. It wasn't the most imaginative ad I've ever seen. She looked stiff, but she hit all of her targeted message points to the presidential race. I mean, Patty hit this, but it's just the wildest thing we've ever seen. I can't make sense of the map because you keep reading all these national stories, and I think they're accurate about the race now tightening. I mean, Trump had a miserable month following both conventions and did everything possible to disqualify himself, everything that he hadn't previously done to disqualify himself. But the polls are now, for the last few weeks, tightening to margin of error kind of numbers. But you let, yet you look at the map and you see reliably red states like Missouri or Georgia or Arizona that are in play, if not, you know, Hillary within a point or two or a point or two up. And it's hard to reconcile um, those two facts. Um, Colorado, to my mind, is not in play. This is not a purple state in the presidential race, certainly not a purple state in the U.S. Senate race either. So I, I do not understand why Donald Trump is spending money here. But I don't understand why Donald Trump was in either Mississippi <laughs> a, a couple weeks ago, which is as red a state as you're ever going to find, or Washington state, which is blue a state as you're ever going to find. So nothing about his campaign makes sense. Yeah, trying to understand is probably the, the first problem there. Uh, Greg, Colorado's used to be in a swing state. We're used to a lot of attention in the last few presidential uh, cycles. Um, we're not getting a lot of money invested with presidential ads mm -hmm. this year, uh, even though we're seeing a few from Trump. It's not like it used to be. And we're not seeing a major Senate race. Do you think Colorado's going to feel a little left out of being uh, swing state status this year? I think we're going to enjoy being ignored. <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to enjoy the break. Um, the other thing that's odd about Donald Trump is why, is why is he spending time in Cleveland, Ohio? That's my hometown. I haven't seen a Republican there in probably 25 years, so I, I have no idea what he's doing. But the one thing I'll say about the CD race is <clears throat> I think we could all benefit from having more congressional districts constructed the way the CD6 is, where the incumbents and the challengers really do have to pay attention to the constituents. Like, it's pretty impressive, no matter what you think of Kaufman, that he learned Spanish so he can communicate with his constituents. As far as uh, uh, Carol's uh, commercial, I think, you know, it makes some sense for her to introduce herself to those uh, living in that district. Uh, Colorado is has a reputation for being reluctant to throw out incumbents. So I think she has to make the case for who she is, what she's done, and anytime you have your mother in an ad, I think that's a plus. <laughs> Definitely a standby. Yeah. A Magellan strategies, uh, strategies poll released this week shows voters currently support at least two of the major issues on this year's ballot. According to the poll, 55% support the minimum wage measure, which would raise the Colorado's minimum wage to $12 an hour by 2020. And 54% of those polled support changing to a primary system, including unaffiliated voters. Mike, you and the Independence Institute have ran and opposed a variety of ballot measures over the years. Um, if you're backing either one of these and see 55%, 54% right after Labor Day, are you happy? Uh, pretty happy. Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the, the undecideds. And then you have to, you know, in all these pollings, by the way, it's very instructive to always look at the, at the details. Uh, so, for example, the, um, uh, if you look at um, uh, some of these, you'll see that registered Republicans might support uh, something more than registered Democrats or of a certain age. And so you might, you would feel pretty good 
Uh, if you're under 50%, I think you should be nervous, which is the case with uh, raise the bar. If you're at 35%, which is the case for Amendment 69, I think you just, uh, uh, and if you're Irene Aguilar, I think you say, damn the torpedoes, I don't really care. We're, we're moving forward with this thing because I've been abandoned by all my own, <laughs> my own people. Uh, and she's even said she considers 35% a victory uh, for the idea of single payer. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would feel pretty comfortable if I was on the uh, minimum wage campaign. It's a fairly uh, seductive measure because they they didn't make it. It's not like they said the minimum wage will go to $15 an hour January 1st, right? No, I mean, it's very, come on, this isn't until 2020. It's only 12 bucks an hour. It's not that big a deal. And they know perfectly well that there's more Coloradans who uh, are employees than are employers, and uh, there are... A lot more people who um, just don't think it sounds like that much money, uh, frankly. And so I would feel good uh, if I was on the minimum wage campaign. Uh, the um, letting unaffiliateds vote, uh, I would feel okay, but I'd also keep in mind that um, you know we're a third, a third, a third, roughly unaffiliated Republicans, Democrats. And I don't understand. I I have to tell you this this measure, you can vote in a primary if you want to. All you have to do is affiliate, and it's really easy to do. This is like saying, I want to help pick the next pope, but I don't want to become a cardinal. And hell, I don't even want to become a Catholic. Uh, and so um, uh, I hope I, I would feel better about the minimum wage than any of these other ones if I was back in one of those campaigns. Eric, you consulted a lot of the, uh, on a lot of ballot issues way back in the day. Um, Mid-50s, Labor Day, good news? Better than mid-40s, <laughs> not as good as mid-60s. I've always had a rule of thumb that 60% is the number you want to be at to feel reasonably secure. Ballot issue campaigns, initiative campaigns, are for the proponents, are battles of atrophy. You very rarely gain new votes that you don't start with. There have been a couple examples over the years in Colorado of, of the yes numbers going up as a campaign goes along. But by and large, the yes side starts a campaign with most everything it's ever going to get. And then you just try to fight at that number atrophying below 50%. So being at a 55% number is, is not a bad place to be at, but it doesn't mean you're secure or immune. Mike pointed out there's a lot of superficial appeal, a lot of surface appeal to the minimum wage. I think a lot of it depends on how much money and how effectively that money is spent against it. Uh, you and I, Dominic, mm -hmm. hosted a debate. It hasn't aired yet, but we taped it couple days ago. Is it, it airs tonight. It, it, it airs after the show, an hour after the show tonight. Um, so voters can tune in, I mean, excuse me, viewers can tune in and decide for themselves between the two sides of that debate. Uh, they both presented themselves well. I'm most fascinated by the two issues on this ballot that I call process issues. One is the quote-unquote raise the bar measure, Amendment 71. Again, you love the purpose of it. But the devil's always in the details, and some of the details on this one, I think, are subject to, uh, to some criticism. Uh, and then uh, the, the presidential primary and the companion measure to allow uh, independents to vote. I'm in favor of allowing independents to vote or making it easier for them to vote than it currently is for no reason other than I think anything that we can do to drive politics more to the center to reduce the influence of both polls, the right poll in the Republican Party, the left poll in the Democratic Party, is healthy and good. And for no reason other than that, I think this is public policy sense. Mm -hmm. 
And as Eric alluded, we have uh, debates at 9 o'clock and 9.30 tonight. We kick off our Colorado Decides season. Uh, Colorado Care, the uh, health care one, is on at 9 and at 9.30, minimum wage. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be every Friday at 9 o'clock throughout the election season. Greg, uh, I've seen the forces coming out against the minimum wage law, uh, a proposal rather, but I have not seen a lot of the organized forces against the primary, the two different primary ballot issues. Do you think that's going to help them get this passed? Uh, no, I, I don't think people understand <laughs> it. Um, and if they don't understand it, people tend to vote no. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really their problem. Um, this might be a case where they actually need to go on the air and try explain, to explain what the issue is and why people should care. Um, I, I've been here for 14 years, and the one thing I just can't get my head around is how easy it is to amend the Constitution in the state. Like, for example, why is the minimum wage... Um, matter uh, a constitutional amendment like what happens in 2025 when you've got something in your constitution you know that that ends in 2020 it's just you know in Massachusetts where I came from it took three-fourths of the legislature to approve a constitutional amendment yeah, it was just very very difficult to get this kind of thing on the ballot but um, you know a lot of campaigns in this state have been won with no media I think the, the primary one will go down if they, if they follow that strategy. This is one I think they need to go up on the air and they need to explain what it is. Patty, uh, all the battle issues on the table, uh, do you put any money on them to, uh, on any of them passing? Well, the minimum wage may, one of the issues with it, and, and Greg's absolutely right, this doesn't belong, it's, this is, should be statutory, this shouldn't be constitutional. It's interesting because the big flaw with this one, and everyone in theory says, yes, you should be learning, earning at least $12 an hour. There's a problem with how it works in restaurants, which would actually wind up punishing the owners and really helping those who get tips. And I think if there's a lot more publicity about that, that might really hurt this chances because it's going to hurt your local neighborhood place that might want to pay everyone $12 and could, but this actually will hinder them more. I think the only thing that's going to help the primary measure this year and I would argue maybe how we handle primaries could be in the Constitution if these bills, if their proposals were written better, but they're not. People are still mad about how the primaries came down in Colorado this year or didn't. You know, the state party vote. So people might without even reading it vote, but I'm thinking that will ultimately go down. Senator Michael Bennett announced this week that he has the support of over 100 Colorado business leaders, which includes some prominent Republicans. Bennett's Republican opponent, Daryl Glenn, has yet to mount a major media effort. Uh, Eric, I thought you had a, a genius line when we talked about the Republican primary earlier this year. You said the winner of the Republican primary was Michael Bennett. Uh, and I think so far that has uh, remained absolutely true. Uh, at this point, does Michael Bennett even want to mount a race? Because at that would only remind people that he has an opponent. Oh, he'll go through the, the minimum effort of mounting a race. He's showing up at a Club 20 debate this weekend, I believe, in Grand Junction, but he turned down a Denver Post debate. Uh, I believe he is participating in a Channel 4, Channel 12 debate come mid or late October. So he'll pick his shots. He'll engage enough that no one can accuse him of not engaging. But I, let me just make a serious suggestion. I think we can retire this race, almost retire this race, as a topic around this table. This is not a competitive race. Um, neither national party, no national political analysts have this on their race as a competitive race. If you flash back a year ago, 
the Republicans in their battle to hold the U.S. Senate, which is a tough battle of, on which they have no better than even odds. But they had two prospects. They were defending a whole lot of Republican seats, but they had two prospects for takeovers. One was Colorado, the Bennett seat. The other is the Harry Reid seat in Nevada, in Nevada. The Reid seat is still very much in play. The Colorado seat has gone by the wayside. The Republican Party at some point is going to have to answer for this debacle that they did not even mount a serious campaign to dislodge an incumbent U.S. Senator. Greg, I guess I would follow right exactly where Eric ended. How does a major party, the Republican Party, allow their um, statewide U.S. Senate candidate to become all but invisible? Uh, by letting people in your house and they set it on fire. I mean, they, <laughs> they've put a lot of, a lot of people have been able to sort of become a part um, and have a voice in the Republican Party. And right now the house is on fire. The arsonists are in control, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens for the Republicans is, you know, you have to raise it and then start over. And um, people have been saying that for a while now. And I think it's coming to pass. I, I think that's what the problem is. Michael Bennett, last year, the Washington Post and some other people were saying he was one of the most vulnerable people in the Senate, right? Mm -hmm. They were saying that a year ago. And now we're saying, let's retire this as a topic. Um, you know, it doesn't take long for things to change, but with the Republicans, they've got to put they've got to put forward better candidates nationally, congressional districts, Senate races, even gubernatorial races. They've just got to rebuild a party that's in shambles right now. So, mm -hmm. Patty, we see a Republican Party for the last I guess I'm doing my math right last six years they include this debacle and a little thing called the Dan Mays disaster. Um, is there something about the structure that we're not that we're not seeing here, or is it just a, a passing a passing thing? Well, the structure's burned down, as Greg said. And Dan Mays, maybe he might not have lit the match, but he certainly um, didn't give a fire hose over to put it out. That's the thing about the Republican Party. Couldn't they have learned a lesson from? I mean, th they already had a small bench, but we saw some good candidates come out before, and then the stranger ones wind up getting the nomination. Dan Mays is an excellent example, though, that should have been a lesson that you have got to get your party and your house in order, or you're just not going to ever win another election. Mike, is there a path here for Glenn to get some relevance between now and Election Day? Uh, there's a path to get some relevance, but I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that, that he's not going to be the U.S. Senator from Colorado, and, and, and part of it is, um, well, look, the GOP may be on fire, and have you met Republicans? I mean, this, <laughs> I, th think about this, that um, the state GOP convention nominated a guy, Daryl Glenn, that spoke to them. Uh, and do you think that the Democrats would have let a Daryl Glenn through, the, through that process? No, I, I don't think so. They're much more disciplined. They're about winning. They are about... Uh, um, they're about discipline. By the way, they are in a bit of shambles themselves with the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, but they're much better at mm -hmm. containing it, and a lot of that's because they have, they have a much more uh, rigid structure of, of funding where there is no, like, a guy call, uh, there is no, like, guy you call in Colorado anymore to uh, make sure the right guy gets mm -hmm. nominated in the Colorado GOP. That just doesn't exist anymore. Whether that's good or bad, it does mean that Republicans uh, tend to nominate people who actually reflect what, in, in the primaries, what they believe as opposed to Democrats who might... Uh, nominate the person they think can win. And so if Republicans just need to want to win, yeah. basically. 
it's not lost to me that we're seeing this the same year that Bill Armstrong passes away. I don't think in the, in when Bill Armstrong was running the Republican Party in Colorado, you don't see this kind of Hank stuff. Hank Brown, Bill Armstrong, there are, the, there are no guys like I mean, that's, right. that. I mean, that, that model's gone. Yeah, it surely is. Yeah. There's a lot of freelancers. <laughs> freelancers and freelance arsonists. Yeah. Uh, that was a great line, by the way, Greg. Uh, let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Miss Calhoun, please start us off. Many disgraces this week, but I'm going to give it to Ricky Nixon, the disgraced DPD officer who is getting yet another chance to get back on the force. I don't know how many people you have to abuse, beat up, just handle badly. There are a lot of great police officers, and letting someone like him have another chance just makes them look bad. Mike. The toxic trio uh, in the minority on the Douglas County Board of Education who just continue to act like recalcitrant school children. This time it's an effort to uh, to not accept the resignation of Doug Benevento and to uh, stall the 60-day clock starting for the uh, to fill that seat uh, because it interferes with their plan to flip the board. Uh, they're letting their own political agenda uh, leave. They would have happily left 60,000 uh, Douglas County residents without representation on that board if it would have served their political purposes. Awful, Eric. Totally agree with Patty's uh, disgrace. It is disgraceful. How about Wells Fargo Bank? Recent news, 5,000 employees there no longer have work, and that's sad for their sake, but uh, it shows the magnitude of the scandal in that operation where they're taking customer data, taking customer accounts, opening new accounts for customers without their permission, charging them fees on new accounts. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I moved my business, limited as it is, business and personal away from Wells Fargo to a locally owned bank, and every day I'm glad I did. Greg. <laughs> um, the two drivers involved in the road, road rage incident near DIA this mm -hmm. week, that's my disgrace of the week. Um, and, it, and it resulted in the, the, the death of two people. Um, I mean, adults have just got to find a way to better behave, and this was just disgraceful to see that happen, mm -hmm. um, and especially the loss of life. Yeah, road rage at 5.30 in the morning. Ridiculous. <laughs> Time to see something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty. Happy 100th anniversary today to the Emily Griffith Opportunity School. Great program. So star sorry I slandered her when I was on this show playing her. <laughs> I was not slandered. I thought you did a great job. Uh, the two Denver cops I watched on the 16th Street Mall last Saturday night push a uh, homeless disabled man in his electric wheelchair through struggle through a crowd of uh, transient hobos to get him into the alcove of Walgreens to plug him in to recharge his battery. Uh, the temptation would have been to just let him sit there on the corner. Nicely done. Eric. It's good. This is a couple weeks old, but uh, Denver Public Schools recently named a new campus in Northeast Denver after longtime former state senator Regis Groff, a, a great man. It's a the campus houses both a new KIPP school and a new Strive school, uh, great schools, and um, I'm glad to see Regis Groff honored in that way. You're here. Great. Uh, I'm going to give it to Brandon Marshall. And no matter what you think about the athletes protesting um, about, you know, social issues and racism and demonstrating uh, doing a national anthem, it takes courage to do it. And I admire, I admire anyone that, that, that has the courage of their convictions. So I would, I would say something nice about Brandon. Well done. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. As always, be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes and our Seattle Post Game segment on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, remember, 9 o'clock tonight kicks off for Colorado Decides. Big election series at 9 o'clock Colorado Care, 9.30 minimum wage. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Duzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.